Welcome to the Ministry of Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. Our vision is bringing people into the full realization of their potential in God and our mission. Building a community of believers whose lifestyle positively influenced change in the society. Welcome to Lighthouse. Lighthouse, House 7, Plot 2 Stroke 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthouseng.org. Thank you, everyone who is joining online tonight. Uh, we believe for the blessing of the power of the Holy Spirit as we sit under God's word again tonight. Um, how many of us have been enjoying this series? Yeah. How many of us have learned one or two things out of this series? I need to see your hands. Let me be sure that, okay. How many of us have started engaging the word of God in your life over this series? Okay, so some have had, it has blessed them, but the hands reduced about the engagement. So uh, it's just very direct. It's not the hearers of the word that shall be blessed, but the doers. And the Bible encouraged in that James 1 that when you do the word, it is work. It said, the doer of this work, the doer of this work, W O R K. So it means when we hear the word, when we listen to the word, we interact with the depth of the word. Uh, so it enters, I mean, we are filled with divine illumination, and it enters into our heart as revelation. Then we walk, we meditate upon it to the point that uh, the template as to what to do, how to walk the word, uh, becomes very clear to us. In James chapter 1, verse 22, I will read it, I think up to verse 25. He said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. A lot of people are so used to it. They come, they have the privilege of coming Sunday, and then another privilege of Wednesday, and probably another privilege in between maybe fellowship or gatherings, or maybe another privilege to listen to uh, their they are, they are popular preacher or the ones they listen to on radio, on TV. Uh, so we cannot just be hearers, but we are doers. And how does it work when we choose to be doers? He said we are not deceiving ourselves. So it means it is possible as a Christian uh, to just be hearing the word. And if we don't give it the right position, we are deceiving ourselves. And the Bible, James explained it further. He said, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Verse 24 and 25. He said, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. I mean, if you use the bathroom, that's what we do. And sometimes we, 
when we finish, we wash our hands and all that. And because usually for most bathrooms, mirrors are placed there. So you look up, you adjust. If you have a comb, you want to comb your hair again. If you're wearing a tie, you want to adjust your tie. And for women, they want to put on, um, maybe the lipstick is running dry. They want to just, there is a refreshing that comes when you look at yourself in the mirror. But the Bible is now comparing it that when we are hearers and not doers, we are like that person who stands in front of a natural mirror. He looks into the perfect law of liberty, in this case, the word of God, and then whoever continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, look at what he says, but a doer, he didn't say a doer of the word, a doer of the work, because when you engage the word, it is work. Meditation is not an easy memes. No. Uh, I, mean to, I mean, making up your mind to practice the word is not. It puts pressure on your mind. You need to renew your mind. Because your mind will always want to drag you back to the old, old, and which we call the status quo. Sometimes it's the mess. Sometimes it's the rot. Sometimes it is... Um, uh, like someone described it, wrong thinking. Uh, sometimes it's wrong mindset. Oh, this is Nigeria. This is what people do. And it's generally accepted as the culture. No. So the doer of the word of God will involve work. You want to renew your mind and have a new paradigm. You want to uh, review things around yourself. So that's the doer of the work. He said, it's the one who does the work of the world. That's the one who is blessed in whatever he does. So I just want to encourage, please, not just hear us. And part of the doer of the work means you go over again. I mean, in learning, uh, they said, I can't remember the exact percentage now. When you hear something for the very first time, you don't keep it there until you hear it for the fifth or the sixth time. That's when you can actually say you got something out of it. So sometimes we need to hear it again. And today the medium of hearing it again is much more, I mean, convenient. You can listen to a podcast. You can watch it on your hands, your YouTube. You can, in those days, it's only one mean. It's a cassette. So you put workman. You put it. And sometimes you, if you are doing the work, your hair begins to make noise. For those of you who know what Walkman is, it's after some time, it's as if your hair is, it's like you're flying in an aeroplane. I know some people don't know, but that's the thing. For those of you who know what cartridge is, and so sometimes it gets, gets stuck in the system. You are doing the work. And sometimes you, for those of you who know what videotapes are, VHS, you rewind it. Sometimes it has gathered more but you rewind it. I know, so for those of you who know what a CD is, you play it to the point that it scratches. And it begins to repeat on a particular line because you've rewinded it so much. That's being a doer of the work. Praise God. I said praise God. And in those days also, we do certain things. In those days, it's not just a few years ago. We write out what scripture and so we put it in, a, we write it out. But this day you can use your phone. We write it out. We highlight it. 
We put it in our heart. So when you get into a space, you are not doing something, you look at that scripture again. Joshua 1.8, for example, you write it out. This book. So you begin to think, which book? The Bible. The one that has authority over every other thing. This book of the law shall not depart. And you are, you are regurgitating it. That's the principle. You are bringing it back. You are seeing how it applies to your work. That's being a doer of the work. Praise God. I said praise God. My prayer for you is that the word of God will prosper you in your own generation. Uh, that's the only way. I mean, if you look at our patriarch, that's the only way. And like I said, now we have things that helps technology that hates learning. In those days, the Bible says, and Isaac meditates in the evening time. There was no light. But they took time. They took time out. I mean, David said, I will not give sleep to my eyes during the watch hour. So they took time. But now learning has become so difficult. But whatever it, it will help you to, to bring out the juice of the world and apply it to yourself. I love that. That's what I'm looking for. Isaac meditated to the point. Even though he was looking for a wife, it wasn't a priority. He was meditating in the feet in the evening. And when he, by the time he was look, lifting up his eyes, his wife showed up. Praise God. I said praise God. When we get into the... Uh, teachings on family life, we will touch on that. How you can meditate a wife into being. Can I have an amen? amen. I will give you live example. Praise God. Can you hear Ogaju in the background? The word works. The word works. So tonight, let's just push this thing for that. Um, to, I title this. Kingdom wealth is not selfish. Wealth isn't selfish. So when we are talking about wealth, I'm talking about how God operates things. It is not selfish. And from the nature of God, you will find out that it is not selfish at all. God created the whole universe. He created the resources. And then he, gave, he handed it over. I mean, God is not under the influence of Nepal, so he didn't have the need for the rivers. God doesn't sit on furniture, so he didn't have the need for the trees. So God created everything. And somewhere in Revelation, I think Revelation 4, he said, for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. And so he gave man to become the steward of those things that he created. So man dammed the rivers and generated his electricity out of it. He pulled out the furniture, whether you call it Italian furniture, I don't know why they call it Italian furniture because most of those wood were taken from here. And then they put it on cargo, then they return it back as Italian furniture. And there is no wood like that in Italy, it's here. So God created all these resources and then he gave man the wisdom to harness it. It's for the benefit of us. God doesn't use currency of any city or of any nation. God doesn't need a key to any city. I hope you get what I'm saying tonight. So, but he has given us man as the steward. So if God has created all things for his pleasure, and then we have come into a personal relationship with him, and he's opening our eyes to see, 
We cannot afford to be selfish. You know the number one wealth that God has given us? Life. Life. The air we breathe. The ability to think. Ability to reason things out. Ability to recognize opportunity. Ability to bring forth solution. I don't know why, why it is like this, but it's, maybe it's because of the broken world. It's as if every human eyes is trained to see problem. So the eyes that looks are common, but the ones who see are rare. So the few who can see have been trained, they've trained their eyes to see solution. Can I have an amen tonight? So in the midst of the challenges, that is global now, your eyes as a believer because of his agenda are trained by the Holy Spirit to see solution. So wealth isn't selfish. So there is nothing that comes to you in terms of opportunity, in terms of um, increase and enlargement that you should have the mindset that is for you alone. He called out Abraham, an idol worshiper, and he said, I will bless you. He said, I will make your name great. He said, you will, you will be blessed, and then you will become a source of blessing. He said, in you, all the nations of the heart shall be blessed. So, he wasn't selfish. And Abraham, in his own little understanding, when he was moving out, he moved out with people. And he got to a point where he had 318 trained men in his own household. So, he must have been someone, I mean, he became wealthy before he became wealthy. I don't know if you understand that statement. So you have to, you are trained to see it. Lot is cousin didn't see it because he was looking at the natural. And so Abraham, when he lifted up his own eyes, he saw Sodom. He saw a day that he will rescue his nephew. So our eyes, the impact of the Holy Spirit is that it helps us to see so I, I read um, Luke chapter 16. Uh, it's a long reading, but I will, I will read that to capture our thought here tonight. Luke chapter 16. I read from verses 1 all through 13. Wealth isn't selfish. It's something, it's a parable that you and I know. He said, and he also, and that's Jesus, said also to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and the same accused unto him that he had wasted his good. I need the New King James Version. Because sometimes some of those sentences can just, can just throw one out. He said he also said to his disciple, can, can you see now? There was a certain rich man, we can put it in perspective, in our imagination. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man, this steward, was wasting his goods. Verse 2. So he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? But my master is taking this stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. And I am ashamed to beg. 
I have resolved what to do. So he thought within himself. So he said he has resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. You know, it's still the same principle today where people are put in position and then they begin to use it to amass wealth for themselves and they keep some of those wealth with people in terms of shares, in terms of opportunity, in terms of buying because they are so poor in their mind. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measure of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measure of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust words because he has dealt shrewdly in the course of this natural world. He said, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And he said, I said to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fall, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust, can you go back? Go back, don't be ahead of me. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the righteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Verse 12 said, And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you your own? You know, there are two major people in that story. Number one, the owner of all. And number two, the one that has been given the privilege of stewardship. So it was like the steward was managing the resources very well. But more like what the Bible says, the steward who began in the spirit ended up in the flesh. In fact, in some other translation, it says, how much are you hearing my voice? Let me see what um, TPT said on that. I love the rendering in TPT, how he asked him to, to, to write out the bills. He said, one debt of verse 6, hold $20,000. He said to him, let me see your bill. He said, pay me now. And we will settle for 20% less. He said, the clever manager scratched out the original amount owed. And reduce it by 20%. If you read this story, the, the man who owns everything is not even aware of this. So, in kingdom words, principle number one tonight, wealth is stewardship. You've had that all through this series so far. Wealth is a measure of stewardship. A steward does not own anything. A steward has a master. A steward does or does the bidding of the master. There is nothing that comes to the steward that is owned by the steward. It was just given as a result of his ability to manage. So, 1 Corinthians 4.2, it said, Moreover, 
Whenever you find someone who assumed that position of being a steward, he said, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Can I have an amen tonight? So many misunderstand, many believers, we misunderstand the word stewardship. To a lot of people, it is something that they perceive as hard work or hard thing to do. For some other people, they perceive it as a burden, an obligation. So when the owner makes a demand on them, they see it as they are trying to kill them. No. Stewardship is a privilege. Stewardship is a privilege. You know, there's one scripture that we, we all should be used to. He said, only the living. That's it. That's the Thanksgiving every morning. Only the living shall praise you such as we do this day. Psalm 17, verse 15. He says, he laid us down, but we are awakened in his likeness. He said, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. You know, at the end of the day, the natural thing to do, or they've taught us to do, is that you reveal the day, you plan for the next day. But... <laughs> The one, the master is the one who gives us the privilege of another day. And when we are awake, we are awake in his likeness to do his bidding for that day. So the only way we can experience kingdom wealth, freedom as it were, is number one, when we treat wealth as a privilege of stewardship. Secondly, wealth as a supernatural virtue. Well, as a supernatural virtue. You will see it shortly. Where we have mammon who stands and camouflage as money. Money runs things in our world. And I believe tonight we'll be able to understand it. So this unjust steward, he understood financial planning. So it's not just a natural, he understood it. That's why he can negotiate with those who are owing his master. His master did not bother to check. He hasn't audited his book yet. But he's very crafty in the way of this world. He negotiated behind his master. And many of the times, the ones who are supposed to be stewards in the kingdom of God, we are also technically negotiating with the master or behind the master. So when we are asked, for example, to pay tight, we ask the question, is it gross or net? So tonight, I just trust God. I trust God. Those who are watching online, I trust God for you. Those who will watch later, I trust God for you. You know, I've said it in the time past, that when we talk about money, and you get upset. It means you have to face this mammon thing and deal with it. There must be freedom in your heart, in your life that comes with wealth and possession. If you have not gotten there yet, you have work to do. You have work to do. God will never mismanage your life. God will never take from you. As a matter of fact, one of the scriptures is in Mark 10. He said, no one 
who has forsake all, father, mother, houses, he said, will have a return, not in heaven. He said, in this world. And then, in addition to it, we'll have everlasting life. Can I have an amen tonight? We, need to, we just have to put these things in context. So, West, wealth is stewardship. It's a privilege of stewardship. Wealth is supernatural. It's supernatural. Beyond all the planning and all that, there is a supernatural dimension to it. It must not affect your heart. When, once your heart is shifted, it results into selfishness. It results into covetousness. But this word, the kingdom word, must not shift your heart from the master, the one who owns all. About three, word requires faithfulness. It requires faithfulness. Otherwise, we, we slip into error. Wealth requires labor, work, showing up every day, doing the right thing justfully, as if the master is looking at what you are doing. It requires faithfulness, doing the right thing with the right company. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise shall become wise. In another place in the Proverbs, it said, bribe blinds the eyes of the giver. You lose your conscience. Praise God. So, you know, when we quote this Luke chapter 16, verse 10, for example, we quote it a lot, which is, said the one who faithfully manages the little that he has been given will be promoted and trusted with great responsibility but those who cheat with the little they have been given will be considered trustworthy to receive more you know i myself i preach from it so it's it's something that when you hear that scripture we always talk about leadership responsibility that if we ask you to serve as an usher, you are on your promotion to become a minister or you are on your promotion to become a bishop. But this is the context by what Jesus meant. Jesus wasn't talking about leadership responsibility here. He was talking about the subject of money. And I trust tonight that we will be able uh, to see it in the context. So a steward, this particular one, the Bible says he wasted his master's resources. And you know, the context at which Jesus was talking here is that how each and every one of us deal with money is the starting place to test how we trust God. He said, he who is unfaithful. And the way the Bible recorded the subject of money is the least thing. Money is not the main thing. You say, well, how do I know that? We will get into it shortly. Please, brother, sister, if I cannot trust God with my money, then I cannot trust him to fulfill his word concerning my eternal salvation. Money represents things to us. 
If I cannot trust God with my money, the least thing, that's the way Jesus says it. I can't trust God to heal my body. If I cannot trust God with my money, I can't trust him to save my loved ones. It's the least thing. Yet, it's something that affects our relationship. Mammon hides behind it. I'm not saying giving your money will bring miracles into your life, but I'm simply saying money is something we can see, we can feel, we can touch. It's a means of exchange. And we trust people to deliver on their promises when it comes to money matters. So if we can't trust God with our money, then we cannot trust him to have saved us and to have given us the eternal life that he has given us. A steward is devoted to the cause of his master. The least place, like I said, the least place is this little thing called money. In Luke chapter 16, verses 11 to 13, the Bible is so instructive. He said, therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So, please understand, salvation of soul is more important than money. Healing of our body, health, wholeness is more important than money. Living a victorious life. You know, that's why mammon has hidden behind it. To make us all feel that that is the most important thing. No. No. Salvation of your soul, which comes with deliverance from sin, sickness, and poverty, is much more important than money. If we misplace our priorities, then mammon can take advantage of us. But tonight, we are not ignorant of his devices. So what Jesus is literally saying is that if we cannot deal, for example, if we put it in context of money, if you cannot handle 100,000 for him, you can't handle 1 million for him. So my attitude in one million will determine my attitude with 100 million. And if you can't see 100 million, you can't hold it for him. Because the person, that steward, unjust steward, is because he can't see. That's why he wasted his master's resources and he still wants to cheat his master by going behind. He wasted it. So he does not even have savings. How many people walk out there and they are doing things that can ruin their company? By their attitude, they waste resources. So the Bible says if they can, if you and I can't manage those things, nobody will commit true things. True things that matters. And what are those things? Source of men. So mammon, the Bible referred to it as money or wealth. And the spirit of faith behind it is that spirit 
So we cannot do greater things if we can't do lesser things. We can't. We can't. If God can't trust us with salvation of the souls of men, can't trust us for us to believe for healing, then all the other things, they are the least, money is the least thing. That's why God doesn't have a denomination or currency that he uses. So when he wants to move you at, as a steward into greater thing, whatever denomination you want to add value, that's what he pushes to you. And you know, the temptation is to just deny our source. First Timothy 6, 17, which is a whole lot of the times where our brethren, where we all short circuit the fields. Is that the right word to use? God wants to do more. But with little blessing, some people just go gaga. First Timothy chapter 6. Verse 17, I read from TPT. He said, to all the rich of this world. Can you say, he didn't say to all the rich from heaven. No. Those who are rich in the things of this world. He says, I command. Paul didn't say I encourage. He didn't say I exhort. Because he understood the role of mammon in this present structure of the world. He said, I command you not to be wrapped in thoughts of pride over, he didn't say wealth, he said prosperity. It means things you have generated through creating value. He said, don't be wrapped up in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth. For riches are what? Unreliable and nothing compared to the master. As a steward, good one, you, me, our heart must not shift from the master. We are managing his resources. We can't dive, I mean, be distracted to think that our hands, our minds are stretched as this. He said, riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. He said, trust instead in the one who lavishes us upon us all good things. Fulfilling our every need. Can you see when we focus him as our, our thought? He said, remind the wealthy to be rich in remarkable works of extravagant gener generosity. Willing to share with others. He said, this spiritual investment will provide a beautiful foundation for their lives and secure for them a great future as they lay their hands upon the meaning of true life. Can I have an Amen. So, when we focus on the master, what we are saying is that we are trusting him with our finances. And you see, in this world, though, hmm, trust God with your finance is the least that you can use your faith on. There are many ways there matters. If you can't trust him with your finances, then you are deceiving yourself thinking that you are trusting him with your eternal salvation. Did you understand that? You know Jesus has saved us. He has given us eternal salvation. So if we can now trust him with the least things, money, that we brought nothing to the world, that not, definitely we will not take anything out of it. We will not go with it. 
So if we truly trust him, then when it comes to eternal salvation, we can trust him. Because it's the same sacrifice that saved us completely from sin. It's the same sacrifice that saved us from poverty. Whole wanting to cling on to things. I hope you understand as, I, as we journey together tonight. I hope you understand. Is the flight good or there is turbulence already? So we can't deny that source. So if we can't trust him with our finances, then we are deceiving ourselves thinking that we are trusting him with our eternal salvation. If we are not seeing greater things to come to pass in our lives beyond money, then we are not trusting God in that which is the least. Did you understand that also? So there are greater things. I know we have songs around it. God of miracles, now my papa, me and no go suffer. If we, if we can't see greater things beyond material blessing, then we are not trusting this God. But the truth is that when we trust, when we put our parity where it is, all things that are ours in Christ Jesus begin to manifest. Have you heard some of our patriarchs who says they don't pray for money? The reason being that they have put their priority to where it matters. Money does not have any other choice but to come their way. So, believing God, for example, for salvation of our loved one, healing of our bodies or people's body, whether emotionally or mental healing, restoration, they, those things are far greater than trusting God for finances. Am I saying don't trust for finances? You, you, you should. He said he has given us all things to enjoy. So, there is a place. God delights when you and I prosper. It delights, it gladdens his heart. So, the message tonight is, if we can't trust God with our finances, it means we can't trust him beyond that. We can't trust him to heal our bodies. We can't trust him to help us overcome worries. We can't trust him to help us overcome anxiety. We can't trust him to help us overcome depression. Or everything that or said to us even in the assurance of eternal life, when we cling to money out of fear, then we, can, we don't really believe him or trust him to meet those needs in other areas of our lives. See, wherever you are tonight, it's a good place to be because we can't jump from the ground floor to the top of this ladder. The encouragement is learn to trust God with your finance. It's more like you keep everything with him. And if you need to make, just like the natural words are, they've given us an insight into how these things work. You don't carry the money in your account. You don't carry it everywhere. But you've been given a means. So this system has designed cards for us, isn't it? So as long as there is deposit, which is our heart, Trusting in the living God. Each time you have a need, you can slot in your card confidently. 
and then access. In fact, some cards, whether you have funds there or not, they have been giving you the privilege because they know your worth. So the card does not decline. If men eh, can do that, how much more? That's why he says to you and I in Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I have an amen. So God has provided for us healing, deliverance, salvation, prosperity, and wealth through his son Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago. And then this is actually become our realities when we mix that with faith in our hearts, appropriating what God has given us. James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Let's see the missing link. James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Read from the TPT. He said, what is the cause of your conflict and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you? If I give this, I may not, I may not live to eat. Just like the widow said, I will eat this and die. of this conflict. He said, is it not that fight to have our own way and fulfill our own desires? He said, we jealously want what others have so we begin to see ourselves as better than them. Competition. He said, we scheme, some people scheme with envy and harm, others to selfishly obtain what they crave for, the quarrel, the fight over it. And all this time, they don't obtain because they won't ask God for it. And even when they ask, they won't receive. Why? Because they are asking with corrupt motive, seeking only to fulfill their own selfish desires. Said so they have become spiritual adulterers who is having an affair on only relationship with mammon. Can I have an amen? Can I say something to you tonight? In this kingdom, mature believers pay tithe. And because they trust God with their finances, they are stable and consistent in their faith work. Find out those who don't follow God's principle. Yo, yo, Christianity and practice. They are not stable. There are issues. It's difficult because of where I'm preaching this from, but that's the truth. Sometimes when people are not consistent in that way with God, when they are playing games with God, there is no deliverance that can help them. Because the devil has a claim. I'm not going to, I've, I've 
during this series, I'm going to teach on Titan. The reason why I'm going to treat on it, don't allow the devourer to deal with you. God's principle has not changed. It is when a steward is looking for something to organize himself. That's why they argue. I know, and I know it's very clear. We have been judged eh, as ministers. So we are now being forced to just preach about salvation and then leave believers to figure out their finances on their own. No, God has a principle. Because in leaving believers to figure things out of their own finances, it has also led them to selfishness and covetousness in the body. No, we have to teach it. We have to teach it. If you don't pay it, there is nothing. You are not cost, but you may be paying it as hospital bills. You may be walking and you can't really, really feel the impact of what you are doing. And then the way the devil has set us up, we also have serious, on serious believers too. Who they will it's just like when I was you know, still a much younger. We used to listen to all kinds of worldly music at that time. We call it worldly music. So when we get to fellowship, we go and be asking, is this song worldly? From the fellow worldly believers. Say, so, oh, I listen to it too. And I, I, let me speak in tongues. My Holy Ghost is still there, He has not left me. There's no amount of money that you and I have. God doesn't need your money. But you need what God has. There's no amount of money. I know we've been attacked, but I have also stuck my head out. The only way you and I can hold stewardship for God is when we can deal with money. And we can deal with it as if God has given me this. To go and do this. And I have done it. And as a good steward, I maintain my position. If he wants me to do things again, he puts it into my hands. And then I go and do it. And you know, there is just something about trailers. There is no way they load from the depot. And then you now meet them at Moway. They said that you can't go further on this journey. Why? There is no fuel in it. And he's carrying 33,000 liters. It doesn't work that way. For the unrighteous mammon people, they have a way. They kill. And that's what that unjust stewards did. He said, let me hide this. He said, I cannot dig. I cannot even beg. It means he was a mean steward. He doesn't have goodwill with people. So, Kingdom wealth is not selfish. It's not. There is nothing we have that we have not received from God. And we cannot be pretending as if, you know, the way some of our brethren behave is as if they are the one that God has endowed to it. And every other person must be following them. No. There is nothing you have. There is nothing I have that we have not received. 
You can't silence the voice of the church concerning finances and wealth. The church is the custodian of God's wealth on planet Earth. And I'm saying this to you in all honesty, in all sincerity. We are not even raising money. No. We are walking towards something. The people in the natural world, some of us, for them, can see much more than we have seen. And it ought not to be. It ought not to be. There is nothing you have that God has not given you. Don't pretend. There is nothing. And if God can't trust us with this Naira cover or pan or, or dollars, he cannot trust us to do much for him. That's the interpretation of that scripture. He's not talking about the leadership position. He's talking about money. If you cannot judiciously use 100,000 for God, he can't give you opportunity to use 1 million for him. And he can't give you opportunity to use 1 million dollars for him. He can't give you opportunity to use 10 million dollars for him or 500 million dollars. If you don't have it, there are kingdom-minded people that he can link you up and that project, that thing must be done. And it will be done. Because you favor his righteous cause. So we can't be caged. See, let me say something to you. The way I will preach this message, even if you think I'm about to steal your money, let me steal it first. I, will, I want to push you into what God is doing. So I'm not going to leave you to figure out your finances. I'm not going to stay with just preaching salvation message and make the messages of the gospel user-friendly. I don't want to offend you. I don't want you to, you know, it's as if as long as you don't talk about money, you are my pastor. The moment you start talking about money, I don't know, you have joined them. I have joined them. But in a good manner, I want to push you into the greater agenda of God. And money, like it's described in the scripture, it becomes like a dust. So the reason why we've not gotten into that realm is because what we are asking for, we are asking for it to be consumed on ourselves. So I said to you, mature believers are the ones who know that God has principle. 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 Let me read out one of those principles again. So you, Proverbs chapter 3. And you know the way the New Testament is, is that you are led by the Spirit of God. So it may not be taught as a doctrine, as it were. And because those are the things that confuse people. But it doesn't take them away from the scripture. Proverbs chapter 3. Okay. Let's read verse 5 first. He said, trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. He said, he will lead you in every decision you make. 
Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Verse 9 now says, glorify God with all your wealth. He said, honoring him with your first fruit. What is first fruit? I am earning 500,000. And they increased my salary in my workplace to be 600,000. That's first time I'm collecting 600,000. As a kingdom believer, I take the 100,000 and give it to the Lord. That's what is called first fruit. And what you are saying to the Lord is, thank you for the privilege to earn 100,000. I mean, 600,000. But for this first one, I dedicate it to you. I can tell you testimony upon testimony of people who have done that, that before the next salary, they increase the salary again. It's not coincidence. It is obedience. Like I said, for the Father, we don't teach it. This is our church doctrine. This a, doesn't mean that whenever God sees somebody who obey that principle, he will not honor his work. God doesn't hold you and I. He doesn't even credit you till you get to heaven. It's here. Because you need money here. You don't need wealth in heaven. Here is greater than it. People are dying for gold here. They use it to pave his own street there. So it means gold is not measured as a thing of wealth the way the world system measures it in the GDP and GNP of nations. Can I have an amen? In the order of Abraham, that's where we are going. And I want you to see, we will be rich in cattle, we will be rich in silver, we will be rich in gold. For one head, he said, through this wealth, through this prosperity, the messages of the gospel shall be spread abroad. That's the essence. It's not for us. So, I'm not going to leave you, at least our own community of believers. I will not leave you to figure out mm -mm, there are principles in the world. I will teach it. We will teach it. We will walk through it together. We will do warfare around it until you occupy your place in him. So, trusting God, as I begin to round up, is foundational. And the truth is that why we are talking about this money is because that's the only thing we can see that is tangible around us. That's the medium of exchange. If I quickly put my hands into your pocket now and remove your money, you jack out. If you don't know me, you jack up because money occupies a place in the heart of human beings. If someone is trying to cheat you out of your business, it's because of money. You respond. Some people can even go to EFCC, DSS, whatever, just because they are about to rob them of their money. It simply means money plays a significant role here. And we can't shy away from it. Those who don't shy away from it, can't you see the reason thing? They are fighting themselves. They are going behind to do things to double-cross themselves.
Can I tell you the reason why people don't give tight? It's because basically they don't believe God's promises about financial provision are true. That's the reason why people... Forget about all the argument. It's because people don't believe that these financial provisions or promises are true. So, and they have given tight wrongly because you have to honor the Lord. You have to respect your offering. We get there. It's not something that you throw. Even in the world, they said, learn to treat money very well. Don't crumble it. It's not an afterthought. I'm not sure that in the natural here, any of us want to give money to our parents, you do it as an afterthought. No. No. If you have a parent like mine, they won't collect it. You just squeeze something and give it to your parents. For what? You organize it. You prepare for it before you. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, the first day of the week, which is Sunday, he said, as God has prospered each one, let everybody prepare to give because God loves an hilarious giver. So when you pay tithes grudgingly because somebody told you that you will be cursed, you are paying tithe out of fear. You have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. It's, so, it's not necessarily because they are afraid that somebody is going to heat up their money. No, it's because they don't believe God's promises about financial provisions. So if you and I can't trust God in money matter, which is the least, we can't trust him for healing. We can't trust him for deliverance. We can't trust him for salvation of other people. So trusting God is foundational to kingdom wealth. So, but I'm not saying that, let me just put it out there again. I'm not saying that for you to receive from God, eh, you must give money in exchange. No, that's, I've not preached that. I will never say that. It's wrong. It's not like that kind of exchange. You don't use money to buy healing. You don't use money to buy salvation. You don't use money to buy deliverance. They are free gift of God. We only receive from God by faith. How many of you know that money cannot be comparable to health? Good health is priceless. A lot of people are paying to have good health. And these are things we enjoy. Let me read out some things to us. Luke chapter 18 verse 18. My time is up. And I will obey. We'll continue next week. See, our heart is very critical in this kingdom wedding. So the Bible says, One day a wealthy Jewish nobleman of high standing posed this question to Jesus. Wonderful teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? Look at what he was looking for. He said, and Jesus answered, Why will you call me wonderful when there is only one who is wonderful? And that is God and God alone. The lesson is that Jesus was trying to pull his attention to the one that matters. So he said, you already know what is right. And what the commandment teaches. And he listed it. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. That was referring to the Old Testament. Honor your father and your mother. And the Bible says the worthy leader replied. 
These are the very things I have been doing for as long as I can remember. Some people are around church for as long as we can remember. They know. They know when Pastor E. Adeboye started from Ebutemeta. They know when Pastor Kumuyi started from that flat in 1973. But the worthy leader, when he said it, Said Jesus said, there is still one thing you are missing in your life. He said, what is that? Asked the man. He said, you must go and sell everything you own and give. He didn't even say sell and, and, and bring it and keep. He said, but you must give all the proceeds to the poor so you will have eternal treasure said, then come and follow. The Bible says that the word devastated the rich leader for he was extremely wealthy. And Jesus saw his disappointment and looking at him said, it is next impossible for those who have everything. You know, the lesson there is that the man suddenly realized that his security Taking so when it comes to kingdom wealth, motif is very important, and for many people, that which they greatly fear, at least in this dispensation that we are entering into, that which they greatly fear will suddenly come upon them. If you are gathering and God is not your motive. God is not against you saving, against investment. I mean, we brought somebody on, on Sunday to help us put things in perspective. But hey, if at the end of the day, you are gathering for yourself. See, I, I've had stories of people who when the stock market collapsed, they also collapsed. Because the, the thing is that if the motive is in the living God, the little pieces of what is left, God can multiply it for someone again. Can I have an amen? People can start again when the focus and the motive is on God. Luke 6.38, as we close. Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38. So God's wealth is not selfish. Wealth is not selfish in the kingdom of God. Luke 6, verse 38. It's very important that we put this thing for ourselves in proper perspective. Say, give generously. A generous gift will be given back to you. Shake down to make room for more. Abundant gift will pour out with such an overflowing measure. It will run over the top. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. What that is simply say, until you give you cannot experience that measure. That's the thing. And giving is, is from the heart. I checked something up today. Who is the wealthiest woman in the Bible? And that woman is in the New Testament. Ledia, the seller of purple. That's the thing. In the Old Testament, it's King Solomon. But in the I was in, in fact when I was checking it up, I initially thought that he was going to bring up uh, Queen the Queen of Sheba. 
Yeah, I'm, so, I'm saying. So, I realized that if somebody can be selling purple, it's textile in the New Testament. And she became the wealthiest woman in the Bible. Huh? There is hope for our generation. I said there is hope. You are not saying an amen. amen. So let me conclude. If you are here, please, and you are walking, I beseech you by the mercies of God, don't shortchange yourself anymore. If God put anything on your heart to do, please go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Don't live in disobedience anymore. Because along the line, if you still continue, continue like that, we will throw you off the boat so that you don't get this ship to sink. What God has in mind for us is more than enough. As a community, there is work to do. There is work to do. You will ride all the cars. That's not a problem with God. Hey, the car park will be filled with all. That's not a... But the major thing, our attention is what is next on God's agenda that we must do and tick. That's, that's the way we will run. That's the way we will run. That's the way we will run. And then we are, we are totally delivered. You know, Ananias and Zafira, I hope you've read that story again. If you don't, go and study. Nobody told them to sell their land. Nobody helped them to value it. They sold their land by themselves. They value it by themselves. They got the proceeds by themselves. Nobody did brokerage. But the Bible says they lied to the Holy Ghost. In fact, the people that they said, they collected it. But by word of knowledge, they said, why did you lie? They didn't say lie to us. Because the one who gives us riches to enjoy, that's the one they lied to. Please, whatever the, I mean, we are, we are on a journey. So wherever you are, just ask God for help. Let him help you. But you are on a good journey. Let me read something closely. Mark chapter 10. I forgot to read that thing, that scripture. It's very important uh, as we go tonight. Mark chapter 10. I hope I will find it. Let me just open to it. Mark chapter 10. I'm just inspired to read it again. Mark chapter 10. It's very, very. Where the Bible talks about no one. I have found it. Found it. From verse 27. Jesus looked at them and replied, With people, it is impossible, but not with God. God makes all things possible. Verse 28, he said, Then Peter spoke up and said, Can't you see that we've left everything we had to cling to you? More like, we have done abandonment as a steward. Jesus responded in, in verse 29, Listen to my words. Jesus said, Anyone who leaves his home behind and chooses me over children, over parents, over family and possession, all for the sake of the gospel, it will come back to him a hundred times as much in this lifetime. He didn't say your teacher's reward in his, is in heaven. He said in this lifetime. He said homes, families, 
mothers, brothers, sisters, children, possession. He said along with persecution. But thank God, he didn't say wives. You've not read it. Go and read it again. He didn't say wives. In the first story, he said wives. But in this one, he said he didn't say wives. And then, in addition to it, in the age to come, he will inherit what? Can we stand? I just talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Please, tonight, what we have done is to so just see money is not the thing, you know, it money, there are weightier matters than money. Health is weightier than money. Can we just lift up our hands to the Lord and just worship Him? Let's give Him praise. He's the one who gives us wealth to enjoy. Let's give Him praise. This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. The Lighthouse, House 7, Plot 2, Slash 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthousenge.org for more.